Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. The personal uniform is a look that you settled on as your regular get-up. Today on the show, I talked to two style writers, David Coggins and Michael Williams, about all things concerning this stylish yet bandwidth-saving approach to dressing. We discuss what a personal uniform is, how to develop one, and why that development comes with age, and how to find inspiration for yours. We also talk about establishing the base pieces of your personal uniform, buying multiples of its fundamental components, and refining your look over time. After the show's over, check out our show notes at awim.com. IS slash personal uniform. David Coggins, Michael Williams, welcome to the show. Hey, Brad. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, David, longtime listeners are likely familiar with you and your background because this is your fourth time on the podcast. This is a rare, mm. you're, you're a four, Peter. This is a <laughs> rarefied group you're, you've joined. But for newer listeners, can you briefly tell us about your background in the world of menswear and style? And uh, you've, I mean, why have you spent so many years writing about it? Yeah, I, d- I don't like to do the math on these things and look back at how long I've, I've been writing about this stuff. But it's great to be back on the show. Great to talk to you. I... I, I started out because I was just interested in in clothes and why why we like them and how they're made and the people who make them and people who wear them in an interesting way. And as I get older, I that my views evolve the same way we, the way we dress evolves over time. And so, and also half the magazines I wrote for have gone out of business the way <laughs> print magazines tend to do these days. So, as a matter of fact, I even wrote a lot of my early style stories for a continuous lean a site Michael knows a lot about. So that was a good starting point for me. And it's uh, nice to be talking with you guys today. Yeah, Michael, let's introduce you to our listeners. Uh, what's your background in the world of men's clothing and menswear? Yeah, so I, I started a website called A Continuous Lean back when websites like that were called blogs. No, I, I started a men's style blog. I was like randomly one of the first people to do that. And it's even kind of funny because I if you meet me, you're, you'd kind of think like, wow, this is the guy that started the men's style blog. I maybe wouldn't have guessed that, but it's all, it's all in here. It's in, it's in here somewhere. But I basically was interested in all these things was, you know, reading about menswear online and, and a lot of like what was out in the magazines, not what Coggins was doing per se, but just what, what was out in general kind of wasn't exactly the aesthetic or the point of view that I was looking for. And I thought, well, I should just do this for fun as a creative outlet and started that site. And it became this, you know, I sort of was in the right place at the right time with the right point of view and, and 
it sort of just kind of became this popular thing. And then that has sort of propelled me along to, you know, just my career has sort of followed, you know, the growth of ACL. And then, you know, I do marketing work and write about other stuff on, you know, my whole career has sort of evolved around that. But I sort of just fell into it. But I'm still very interested in, you know, much of what Coggins was saying, too. It's like the people that make these things or how things are made or what goes into the things we wear every day. And that's something I'm still pretty passionate about. Yeah, continuously, I, I remember finding something upon that back in 2008 or nine. And I'm sure if, like, if, if a guy's listening to this podcast and they own a pair of Wolverine 1,000-mile boots or a pair of selvage jeans from what's that North, that North Carolina mill, they probably have you to thank. Yeah, that stuff was coming sort of mainstream when I was championing it. So I don't know if I if they have me to thank, but I definitely helped sort of propel that, you know, for better or worse. And yeah, the denim factory, which is no longer, uh, yeah. is is called the White Oak yeah. Factory. But yeah, that stuff, you know, I think part of my idea behind doing what I was doing with ACL was this stuff isn't going to be around forever. And especially if people don't start to appreciate some of these things and a lot of the stuff sort of has come and gone, but then other things have gained incredible popularity. So it's kind of been interesting to see on both sides. So you guys, uh, a while back ago, David, you did a, a newsletter on your Substack about finding your personal uniform. And this is something you and Michael talk about on your podcast that you have. It, it's a recurring topic. Let's start out there. Like, what do you guys mean by a personal uniform? Is this something that you know, you're know supposed to wear every day like Steve Jobs and his black turtleneck and jeans and New Balance shoes? Well, I think the uniform is fascinating to me because it combines sort of self-expression and ease. And that's a lot of what we're talking about when we're talking about how to dress. It's something that reflects who you are, but also something that makes your life easier, especially in the morning when you don't want to make major decisions about how to present yourself to people you work with or people you're meeting with. And so I'm fascinated with, especially as we get older, it seems like we arrive more clearly at a sense of kind of who we are and the clothes we need to reflect what we're doing in the world. And so a uniform, I, I think for some people, it it might intimidate them because it seems like you're committing to something, but I find it really liberating in a way because it just takes another thing out of your, you've resolved something very important and easy on a daily basis. So I think that's what, what we talk about when we talk about uniforms. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the reason Steve Jobs was doing it is maybe a little bit different than why David and I champion it. I think he was like trying to just eliminate the effort in, you know, choosing what to wear every day. And it was, it's almost like if you, you could not eat and just have Soylent if you just needed the nutrition, right? And you can like get rid of eating as a, as a time, you know, as a, something that you spend time doing or energy on thinking about and just, you know, get the nutrition from something else, you know, there, you could do that, but it wouldn't really be much fun. And I think that a lot of times, like I think about Steve Jobs and I think he was doing it maybe for a little bit of a different reason. Yeah. I think you guys, I mean, you guys aren't approaching the personal uniform as a chance to not care about aesthetics or how you look. And, you know, it's also, it's not like a Star Trek thing where everyone's wearing the same uniform because of its, you know, its functionality, but you guys do care about aesthetics and you do care about how you look and, you know, you've, you've dialed in into your own unique aesthetic and what you think looks good on you and what looks best on you. And then you replicate it. So you're not just be, being utilitarian about it, but I mean, it does save bandwidth in figuring out how to dress, 
Beyond that, are there other benefits to having a personal uniform? Well, I mean, dressing to me still reflects some sort of self-knowledge. So if I see someone who's has arrived at a uniform, I know that he knows himself, which is always going to be appealing and reassuring, and also that he's at ease with himself. It, it communicates something that puts other people at ease. And so we're not talking about a uniform in some way that like all men wearing the gray flannel suit, it's like someone can wear a gray flannel suit and look like himself. Someone can wear a chore jacket and, and khakis and look like himself, but you kind of want to you do have to make decisions to arrive at the point of not making decisions, right? It's sort of like if you master a meal that you can cook when you have company, it took you a long time to arrive at that. But now that your friends are coming over, you know exactly what to do and how to prepare it. I I guess I need to be clear here. Like when you're talking about a uniform, I think a lot of guys would say, well, I've got a uniform. I wear t-shirt and jeans and flip-flops every day. It seems like that's not what you guys are talking about. It's like not like a (laughs) default. You're trying to be intentional about it. Am 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 I right about that? I mean, I would encourage anyone to avoid something that involves other people seeing their toes. I don't think that's going to win any awards (laughs) uh, unless you're a lifeguard. But um, I I think that we're talking about something that you like go out in the world and it's not because you ran out of ideas. It's because you have a really good idea. And then that is that's specific to you. I mean, maybe uniform is even, I don't know if it's giving the right connotation, but when I see and I, I know when you meet certain people, like a certain creative director, you're like, oh, I get it. This is how what he does. He's got like a very specific t-shirt, a very specific pair of sneakers, maybe a fancy watch and like jeans that I don't know what they are, but I know they probably cost a lot. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but I was like, that guy has arrived at that point of view and that in it, and he's at ease in it and it works for him almost every day. And, and that, you know, that, that communicates even a certain sort of power in a way, or at least resolve that he knows what makes sense for him. I think it's interesting. Everyone can have a different opinion about this and there's no right or wrong. And the way Coggins sees this could be very different than the way I see it and it still could work. So there's like, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer with this stuff. I see the uniform as like a refinement of your personal style. Say you took your music collection that you've accumulated your whole life and you had to strip it down to like the top 25 records or whatever. And you're kind of like, all right, this this is the stuff I enjoy the most and I want to sort of like continue to have in rotation. So for me, it's like if I you know feel like, oh, I look good in unstructured sport coats and they're casual enough for me and they're comfortable enough and I and they work for meetings and they work for travel and they work for all this other stuff and I feel confident in them, then I'm going to keep that in my my sort of rotation or in, make that part of my uniform. And so everything I wear is kind of like, has has that sort of basis where you know you look good and you feel confident in it and it feels like you are representing yourself and so every your uniform is made up of all the things that you've sort of tried over the years and feel like you look good in and give you confidence and and present you in a way that you feel is accurate to how you see yourself and that to me is like is the uniform that's you know, it's it's an evolutionary process in a way. Like, I don't think you could do it if you're very young. You can't just be like, all right, this is my uniform, because you kind of haven't tried everything. You need to know, you know, sort of go through that process and figure out what what works best for you and what you what makes you feel the best. And it's sort of like stripping away all the noise and just keeping that important the important things that serve you sort of the best or make you feel the best. 
Yeah, David, I, I follow you on Instagram and my parasocial relationship that I have with you. <laughs> it, I, I sense like every time I see pictures of you, it doesn't, you have like, there's a, there's a continuity of what you wear. It doesn't matter if you are fly fishing or at a book signing or, you know, with Michael watching the PGA tour. It's, and it's kind of weird because all those situations there, they, they call for varying degrees of formality and you do change the formality, but there's an overall, like, yeah, like there's, that's David's uniform. How would you guys describe your respective personal uniforms these days? Well, I, I mean, I should say I've spent a lot of time thinking about this more than most people should ever do. If you're writing about it, stories and books then and newsletters, you're going to be spending too much time. And also if you're slightly tend to be self-absorbed, which maybe someone has said about me at one point in my life or more than one person, then you have some sense of who you are and what you want to, how you want to communicate yourself. And I think I, I generally like traditional tailoring and but then loosened up slightly and i think there's a way to be comfortable i like things that are old that i've had for a while i don't like to look like i'm just wearing new clothes and i don't generally think people look their best in new clothes because it's just a little squeaky and that i would say that about things in general and so to me if you have a an easy going sport coat that you've had for a while and like an oxford shirt that not a dress shirt just an oxford collar shirt and a knit tie that will get you looking pretty good in most places at least and i feel comfortable in those clothes and i can kind of ratchet it up slightly into more kind of flannel in a suit if i'm if i'm going somewhere that need i think requires that and if i'm in the countryside i can kind of loosen that up with chinos and something like a, a short coat or something and that that kind of makes sense for me and i still feel relaxed in those situations and i think i mean i'll just put a word in for tailored clothing i think a lot of guys try to wear a suit or a sport coat and it's often doesn't fit well and they they get which isn't even their fault. They just get it from a place that doesn't specialize in those things or doesn't have a person who helps them get to a point where they feel more comfortable. I mean, most people get a suit, it doesn't feel good and they reject it and they never feel comfortable in it or they don't ever want to wear it. But if you get one that does fit well and that you are comfortable in it, and you just literally wear it four or five times, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I, I can do this. I can I can be myself in this and then kind of evolve from there. So I will put a word, quick word in for tailoring there because I think so many men look good in it and, and they often don't don't get to the point where they would be like driving a manual transmission car and you stall once and you're like, forget this, I'm sticking with an automatic. Yeah, I think I have a similar view to David, but I think it's a little, my approach I think was formed a little differently than his was. So part of what I have always strived to do is like I, I always thought about if I look back, if I took a photo of myself now and what I'm wearing and I looked back at it in 10 years or 15 years, how am I going to feel about that? Right. And what I'm wearing, is it going to be relevant to that time in 15 years or am I going to look like a clown? And, you know, I think so part of what I've been always trying to do with my personal style is think about that, you know, trying to be sort of neutral in a way, but still representative of my personality. The other thing I've tried to do, which I think Coggins does really well, and I think, you know, if you talk about the two of us going to the Masters together and what we were wearing versus what everyone else was wearing, I really try not to give in to the sort of social pressure of wearing a certain thing in a certain place. And I really try to stay with who I am and what my personal style is and not feel like I need to go into some other zone because I'm going to an event or because something's happening. I really try to keep it focused on, you know, what I feel comfortable in, what I feel like represents me and, you know, 
try to stay in that zone in, in a way and not sort of give in to the social pressure of, you know, dressing a certain way, which I think there's actually a lot of in the world. There's like a lot of pressure to look a certain way. And I think, you know, I'm always just trying to look like myself and that's kind of my goal. And those two things together have sort of, you know, driven me into this place where, wow, I, you know, have a pretty defined uniform, which I feel great about. So like, okay, the Masters example, right? Most people there, I don't even, is there like a dress code at the Masters? <laughs> I mean, the, or is it just like you wear Nike golf clothes? Is that what it is? It's Most a very funny situation because like, yeah. it looks like they're going to, these guys think they're going to get handed a emergency golf situation and they're going to have to run onto the course and uh, hit it on the par three. I was thinking about this. I was at a golf tournament this weekend. I think people also don't know what to wear there because of it's, you know, Augusta national and whatever. And so I think they just think, well, it'll be really safe if I just wear golf clothes, you know, and they just, so a lot of people wearing golf clothes, I think is just based on that. But then there's also just people wearing golf clothes, which doesn't make any sense. And then there were Coggins and I, we did not, we were not fitting into like anyone else, but it was, you know, I think we perfectly looked like ourselves. So what would you guys wear? Like, would you be easy to spot? I think we would be. I mean, I, I've been reminded of this photos that were taken of us. So, I mean, just the age of social media, people send this picture to me and ask what coat I was wearing or where I was. I had a master's hat for one thing. They have a rope hat, different uh, one every year. And so that's always what we look for together, at least what I look for. And I was wearing, I think, some sort of sunglasses and a just a chore coat, but I was wearing a knit tie. And so I don't know, it, it had a particular look to it. And I, I thought it looked like we were having fun. I mean, I love the masters, but I'm not really a golf person. I'm just a master's person if such a thing exists. And so we were out there enjoying ourselves. And that photo, I mean, I guess we did stand out, but that's only if you care about these types of rarefied exercises anyway. Michael, what were you wearing? I, I was wearing khakis and an Oxford button down, you know, like I wasn't wearing, I was just wearing something really simple, which I wear most days, you know, I was like very much in the zone of what I typically wear. I think we would have stood out a little bit, but I also don't think like anyone walking by us would be like, what are those guys wearing? I think it, if you really stopped and said like, who's different here, it would have been, you know, we might've stood out in that way, but I don't think like we were sort of raising any eyebrows, like walking around the place, you know? Yeah, I know. I know the picture you're talking about, and what's yeah, you're right. Like you guys didn't look like weirdos. Like you actually look. You know, David was wearing a tie. Like he looks comfortable. Like that looks appropriate for the Masters with the ball cap. And then you know, Michael is like, yeah, he, he looks. He looks well put. He looks put together, and he looks comfortable as well. And you didn't look like you were wearing that weird synthetic golf stuff that everyone, every attorney dad wears these days. So David, your general, when I, I describe your uniform is like, I, I think country gentleman. That's what I, I see. Yeah. He just <laughs> well, looks relaxed. Doesn't look overtly, just, you look comfortable. It looks well-worn and comfortable. Uh, would that be a good description? Like you're yeah, ready, I like think, it looks like you're ready to go out for a fly fish. I, I think at any moment. I mean, it's, it's funny when you put, when we start to put words on these things, cause then it sounds like, I think one of the points of what we're talking about is trying to be relaxed. And when we like dial it in what the recipe is, then it sounds more contrived, but right. that's what we're doing. So I would like to think that it's like a, a, maybe a country person who comes into the city, right? So you've got a little uh, bit yeah. of a foot in both worlds. So, but you can handle being, having kind of a serious lunch. Or you could handle like going outside and, uh, you know, looking at birds or something or, or fly fishing, like you mentioned. And so I, I think you want to have like you, I always like people who are interested in kind of two different worlds. Like I like English guys who love Italian tailoring because they, 
they try to dress like Italians, but they end up just looking more English. But I love that. And Italian guys who love the traditions of being English. You know, these Italians revere the English traditions. And when they try to dress like them, I mean, they can't look English. They're just going to look more Italian, which I, I love that. So I, I'm, I'm into all of those worlds kind of coming together and, and with a certain amount of ease. I mean, I used to like things that were fancier maybe, or I thought I had to get really serious dress shirts or really serious tailored clothing, especially when I worked more in Midtown, but I don't, it's too hard to keep that stuff up for me. I don't want to get all that stuff laundered and pressed. And so I I found, or even if I'm traveling, it doesn't travel so well. So I like fabrics that can kind of absorb heavy wear. And I just, I like to have, you know, nice enough things, but I like to wear them and live in them. And if they elbows start to get a little thin, that's fine with me. All right. So Michael, how would you describe yours uniform? David's like country mouse goes to the city. What would be yours? Uh, I don't, I don't know that I have a setting. Uh, I really love, uh, well-made classic American things. Like I, a lot of times wear jeans and a Oxford cloth button down and a, you know, Navy Merino sweater. And, you know, that's kind of like my zone. I, you know, I have a couple jackets that I figured out that I love, like I'll wear a barber coat or I'll wear a chore coat or I'll wear, you know, unstructured sport coat, but I don't really, I'm not as tailored maybe as David, but I do love these sort of tried and true classic things, the Shetland sweater and, you know, leather, you know, leather brogues and things like that. So that's kind of my zone canvas sneakers. I have like one canvas sneaker I'll wear and one pair of leather shoes that I wear and one pair of boots and, you know, one type of jeans and one khaki. And so I just kind of have figured out like all those classic items. I mean, I like really well-made things. So I like to think about value in a different way where, you maybe spend a little bit more up front and buy something of better quality that'll last you a long time. And like David, I love to wear my things a lot. So, you know, I love to like, you know, wear things over and over and, and really, you know, spend time with them and live in them. And that's to me very comforting. So you guys are in your forties and you mentioned earlier, this is like a uniform isn't something you can really establish in your twenties. So how did you kind of decide, like, I've arrived, this is, this is it. This is the look I'm going to have until (laughs) I'm, I'm buried in the ground. (laughs) Well, it evolves, you know? And I think one thing that's interesting when you look at this is that you, you can tell different times in your life and different things you're trying to do. So when I, I think when I really had to, when I was working in advertising and was in Midtown a lot, I, and I had to get up and get dressed for serious people. I was looking for making the fewest decisions, but with the rough core of what I was trying to do. So for me, that was like gray flannel trousers, a blue shirt, a light blue shirt and a solid tie or a knit tie. And then the only decision I had to make was what sport coat I wanted, what pattern sport coat. So that pattern was the, was a kind of variable and everything else was set. And I I really started to think a lot about it at that time. I was in my mid thirties then. And then as I evolved, I, that was a little more tailored than I wanted to be. I, I like to not worry so much about taking care of the clothes. I just want to be able to toss them in the wash. I don't even want to iron them. I just want them. So then I got into more like corduroys and moleskin trousers and Oxford cloth shirts, like Michael was saying. And that started to make sense. Sometimes you don't realize it until you've worn it for a while. I mean, I talk a lot about how much we can learn about our clothing and dressing when we travel because we have a limited number of things. And so sometimes that sets you off towards a uniform because you just have one sport coat or a couple pairs of whatever it is and you you start to wear them 
on most days, you know, like, oh, wait a minute, this is something I can do this. You get back to, to New York or wherever you live and you're like, oh, I just want to stick with this. This is very reassuring. I don't want all the clothes that are sitting in my closet. I want to just stick with what I had. And that's that can be a good good way to to know how little you need or, or to learn about what suits you. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom, made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom, made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. 
Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the Masterclass on Negotiation with Chris Voss. And now back to the show. Here's a question. I something that I've noticed in the past, I wouldn't say like five years, like my second half of my 30s, you know, I'm in your 40s. One thing I've noticed personally is I'm starting to pick up stuff that my dad, part of my dad's uniform mm. that I remember, I'll pick it like, this looks good. <laughs> and I'll put it on like, my, I look like my dad when he was my age. Because my dad had a uniform, his uniform, he was a federal game warden. So he had to go in the office. It was pretty casual. It was like Wrangler boot cut jeans with a pair of cowboy boots and a peak polo shirt from Land's End with this like awesome looking belt. And it just looks solid. Like I they got pictures like that's just a it just it's a solid, solid look. And sometimes every now and then I'll pick up a polo shirt like this looks awesome. Then I look at it, oh I, this is why I think it looks awesome. My dad had a shirt just like this. I'm curious, did your dads have personal uniforms and had do you think they've influenced your own personal uniform? Coggins, I think you can my, I didn't real I'm not like very influenced by what my father wore, although he definitely wore you know, very much the same thing all the time. But my dad was like very in a very different sort of line of work and career and, and basically did, you know, owned a construction company. And so for me, it was like, it was a very different thing than what my life and whatever now. So it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm gravitating that direction, but you know, I think a lot of these things, you know, because I never learned any of it from my father, I feel like it's a lot of, it's just like inherent in people, right? You're sort of, you just like have it or you don't in a way, but I, Coggins, I'll throw that to you. I'm sure you have a good. Well, my, I mean, it's funny. My, my dad is very stylish and a great dresser, but he's much more uh, adventuresome than I am. Often it's the other way around where the, the child is more adventuresome, but he, he loves color and pattern and he'll wear all sorts of things that I, are way too bold for me. And he kind of gives me a hard time. He thinks I'm too conservative. He thinks I'm overdressed, which again, is not the way these things generally are. And I think I like the fact, though, that as a as a young man, he as a boy, really, he took me to you know the polo store in Minneapolis where I grew up, and and there was a man who worked there, you know, a guy named Paul, and you know they they taught me things and put me into clothes that I w- didn't know if I was ready for, and I have this old herringbone sport coat that was you know union made in America thing is like crazy now if you see it huge shoulder pads but it and I didn't like it as a kid and now I see it I actually had a friend take the shoulder pads out and I'm still you know wearing it now you know 35 years later and I think it's good to learn I mean what I learned from my dad is is a lot of lessons and and the importance of knowing lessons even if ultimately you react against those kind of guardrails and I think now we don't take the time to learn sometimes we don't take the time to learn those lessons and to know what we're reacting against. I feel like people, it's sort of a free-for-all out there and it, it, it helps to kind of know the history of some of these things. And often we do, like you were saying, Brad, come back to stuff our fathers did or something you'd see or you're like, oh, right, I like this from that movie or that era. Maybe it's time to look at this more clearly. And then, you know, you go on eBay for a few hours and you you try to get to the bottom of it. You know, th- there it is interesting, like, and, and we're saying, you know, you theoretically you can't have a uniform if you're young but it's like anything else like you can it is possible and a lot of times like and especially if you look at 
you know, the people that I know that grew up in Italy and the culture of dressing in Italy and fathers and sons and the way that that education happens between fathers and sons, uh, it can, you know, really shape someone's personal style to the point of like they are very young and they know exactly what they like and they have sort of a lot of perspective. And, you know, that's a big cultural thing that happens in Italy. So it can happen and it can happen here in America. It can happen anywhere. Someone could figure it out very young and just be like, this is what I'm going to wear. And and they have it. So, you know, I think it's, it's anything is possible. It doesn't, there's no perfect path to any of this stuff or right or wrong way to do it. No. And I think something too, I've noticed as I've gotten older. So when I was younger, I was more willing to take risks with things. I'd buy something like that looks cool. And it's kind of <laughs> flashy or whatever. But now I don't, I'm not drawn to that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about like blending in, but like, I don't want to like stand out too much. Does that make sense? Oh, of course. I mean, that's a huge, you know, there's a time in your, your life when you experiment more, when you try to discover more things, which is really exciting. I mean, I I think about, you know, what, if you live in New York and you start to, you go to a lot of concerts and clubs and you try movies that you don't, you know, haven't given a lot of thought to because maybe there was a good review, but you didn't even think much about it. And now it's like, wait a minute, if I'm doing something, I'm researching. What do am I going to commit to watching this TV show or to buying this thing? Or, or and that's that's just part of I think uh, how we um, yeah, how we invite new things into our lives. We just have so much already there that you're not going to start reading a biography on someone that's going to take you three weeks if unless you really are ready for it. Yeah, when I was in high school, I went through uh, the neo swing movement yeah. thing and i was like i just had like gabardine you know camp shirts and like bowling shirts and i had a pair of i got these things they're were, they were hideous well they were, i thought they were pretty cool at the time it was a pair of black and white wingtip doc martens but like the white part was black and white check and yeah. i thought i thought it looked awesome i think i wore them to a prom <laughs> Well, I mean, the the classic situation is when someone looks like they've got it all figured out and they're like 17 and they're walking out and you can tell they feel like they're the coolest person, you know, in in the zip code. And you're just like, wait till you see the photos of this in five years. (laughs) Wait, can I I just say that I I was looking at, I found some some profile on TikTok and this kid, he talks a lot about fashion. He's got like a fairly significant amount of followers and his his videos get a lot of likes and he you know I'm I was kind of interested as you know someone that feels fairly well versed in in the stuff he is covering you know what he was saying and and he you know he's confident in what he's talking about and again he's like got a good following and then he, there's one thing where he does a tour of my room and I think it's like his dorm room and it's you know in a way like it's it's cute and like it's cool that he's doing it but also like it's very much like a college kid's room and you know, he's like trying really hard to like have this, you know, sensibility and personal style and, you know, with furniture and all this stuff and design. And, you know, I can't help but to sort of think it's, you know, amusing in a way because he's so young, he doesn't really know, but he's he's speaking with so much conviction and he feels so strongly about what he's, what he's saying in the world. And it's not a judgment on anyone. It's, you know, that's, I feel like part of youth is you do feel very confident in the things you're doing. And then when you look back at them, you're like, wow, money, money, Boston's like, I don't know if that was the <laughs> aesthetic that I should have been going for. No, I, I like that. Michael, I like that heuristic you use in trying to figure out your uniform is like, will this, if I look at a picture of this 10, 20 years from now, what's my reaction going to be going to be like, yeah, it looks good. Or I'm going to be like, oh man, 
that's embarrassing. And I think my choices when I was in high school, I'm like, that was that was dumb. But I mean, it made sense at the time. But so that's that's uh, the famous thing though. But as soon as you're explaining to a young person, you have to be like, actually, it wasn't just me. Everybody was doing this. Or then you know you're in trouble, right? <laughs> because then it's like you're swept up in something and you couldn't pull yourself outside of it or see yourself outside of it. Where you're like, no, that's just the, the lapel width at the time. Or this band was huge. Or you should have seen Michael Caine. Everyone was doing it. And that's usually, uh, I, I mean, but it's human, you know? And I think that's what's so great about these conversations. I mean, I always love when someone gets really obsessed with something because even if it's, I mean, I remember my friend telling me earnestly in high school, he's like, I only listen to Pearl Jam. That's the only thing I listen to. Of course, that lasted for like six months, but that's what it means to be 16. You know, you have these strong feelings and it doesn't stop there, by the way, because, you know, guys are saving all their money to buy some watch or car or whatever else it is or sneakers that then they either just sit in their you know closet or they kind of resell them. So, okay, let's talk about how you guys can establish their own personal uniform. It sounds like it's an organic evolutionary process, but like, where do you start? Say you want to be a little more intentional about this. Like, all right, you're 35, 40, you want to, you want to establish your look. Where would you guys recommend starting? Well, I mean, these are big questions. I, I think, I mean, I, I love certain stores and certain types of clothes. And, and I think it's important that you have kind of a few basic things that look good on most men. And I think Michael alluded to like the unstructured sport code. And I think that's really a good place to start. And I think every every man looks good. And, you know, it can be washed cotton. It can be a little more... Um, a little, it can be tweed, it can be whatever you like, but I think an unstructured sport coat is something you can wear with, with, you know, dress trousers, something you can wear with chinos, something you can wear with jeans. And so I would, I would look for that and you can, you can, you can go to Drake's, you can go to J crew, you can go to Ralph Warren, but you, you can, or just start the process and find, see one that you like and start looking on eBay for cheaper ones if you want. But I think that that's a really good place to start because that that's something that, that can, you know, kind of be part of your arsenal in a, in a really useful way. And I think, people will like how it looks on you. I mean, there, there's a reason these clothes have been, men have been wearing them for a hundred years. Like it works. It's effective. It's like, you know, why does the martini exist? Like it's a good equation. These things make sense way before we've been around and I hope way after we're around. And so, uh, I mean, get a good sport coat. All right. So start off with the sport coat is your recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. But one that you can, you know, when I say unstructured, I mean like not a lot of padding in the shoulders and in the chest. And so that means like you can even sometimes roll it up. If you're in the South, I mean, look at Sid Mashburn's site. I mean, these guys live for that sort of thing. Not just the formal suiting, but the, an actual sport coat, I think is really, really something that can, that can go with you wherever you go. Michael, how about you? Like where, where, where would be your starting point? Well, I just want to say David's starting point is like personal uniform 301. And I would start at, I would start at 101. I think the sport coat's like maybe advanced less than, you know, a couple, a couple courses down the line. But, you know, I think the Sid Mashburn reference is a great one. There are places that you can go to. There's a lot of great men's stores left in the United States that you can go into and talk to them about what you feel comfortable in and what you like, and they can help guide you. Like it's, pretty difficult to go to astray at Sid Mashburn. They're going to help you. My my personal recommendation is like there's a lot of things out in the world that have been fundamentally the same for a long time or very consistent over a long period of time, like the barber coat, like the 501, like certain, you know, the you know, certain brands like my favorite shoe companies Crockett and Jones, the shoes have sort of never changed. And to me that's like a good bet. Like it's like find 
those companies and wear those things that are pretty classic. It's hard to mess that up in a way. The other thing is, you know, I think you want to think about when you feel the best and what you, you know, if it's like figure the mental images of yourself where you looked the best or what were the scenarios where you felt like you looked really good and try to build on that and replicate that and expand that. I think that's a good place to start. I think that's a good idea. So you're not trying to play dress up when you're trying to establish uniformly. You don't want to feel like like you're going to prom or you're going to a black tie wedding. I think it's the opposite of that. Yeah. You want to feel like you are yourself, you know? One thing that, that that's a really good point that Michael makes about enduring design that have, have been mostly unchanged. And, and if you're if you're feeling less kind of formal than a sport coat, I think of the chore jacket is really a useful thing. Almost every company makes a good one now. And that's something that you can wear most days. And you, you can even dress that up or down. I mean, I wore it with a knit tie to the masters, but I think most of the people are not going to do that. But that's a really nice everyday piece if we're speaking in like you know style terms that, that you can get a lot of use out of and that that will go a lot of places. And I, I think you also want to when you're thinking about the uniform, you're thinking about something that's repeatable. So that's like the old Brooks Brothers Oxford cloth shirt and you buy a stack of them. But you're also thinking about an investment that Michael alluded to earlier that you have for a long time. So if you get a pair of Crockett and Jones Chelsea boots, like that's incredible thing. It's a fair amount of money. And then you have them for a decade and that's great or Alden's or whatever it is. And so you kind of want to pick your spots about something like a Lacoste shirt. That's great. Like get a stack of them or if they go on sale or whatever. And then you're also getting, you know, like the best, the jeans you really love. I feel like when you get something that you talk yourself out of, or you save a little money, then it just ends up unused and you really want to believe in what you're wearing and and care about it. And then you're going to, then you're going to wear it more. Yeah. So David, in the, the newsletter you had about establishing a uniform, you talked about base pieces. I guess you, for you, like an unstructured sport coat or a chore coat could be a base piece. And Michael, for you, like a, a base piece could be like that, that Oxford button down could be a base piece that you can add on to. Thing that's consistent and you can add on to it or take away from it to vary the look depending on your situation. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, even if you want to go to Uniqlo and buy button down shirts and khakis from Uniqlo and socks and underwear and whatever else, and then you maybe spend a little bit more money, you know, to David's point, like buying a shirt jacket or buying a nice sweater or buying a nice pair of shoes or an accessory, a bag, you know, those things are where you can, I think you can sort of step up. And then, you know, I think then your uniform becomes like the base is like the, a couple types of pair of pants that you like. And then you mix them with like a couple shirt jackets, a sport coat, a, you know, a sweater, all these things. And, and that's how you sort of like build the, the variety of your uniform. That's, that's my take on it. I have to say, like when I was a young guy and moved to New York, like I was living in, in men's stores, even though I wasn't, couldn't afford those clothes. Like I, and I think there's something to be said for that. And now we've got the, you know, Instagram in our pocket, but I, I like to go to Barney's and I like to go to Bergdorf Goodman and I would talk to the guys who work there and, and they understood what my stage in life and they didn't put pressure on me. And at a good store, they won't put pressure on you. And if you, if you go into to Ralph Lauren and look at the way the, the, they have the kind of mannequins rigged up or what the, what's in the windows, it gives you a sense of kind of how they view things. And, and you can see what you like from that. You can see how much it costs. You can see what you think is makes sense for you or what doesn't make sense, but it's good to do those things. I mean, I, I go on the Sid Mashburn website, even at this stage in my life and look at how they have a clever way that they show each kind of sport coat. If you scroll over it, it's 
got a shirt and tie. And then if you scroll over it again, it's like with no tie. So you can kind of see it worn two different ways. And I still get ideas about that or see what I like and ask myself, well, why do I like that so much? Or why that's interesting. And I'd never thought about doing something that way. And I think that that's a good thing that you can still learn and see and, and even surprise yourself. I mean, like you probably look better in a light pink shirt than you think. I mean, a lot of guys do. And I, I didn't wear pink for a long time. And then I did. And then I was sort of changed my life or I didn't wear brown. And now I wear brown almost exclusively. Like you do want to give yourself room to evolve. And I think that's what we're talking about. It isn't like once you set your your uniform, you can never change. Of course, these things can rotate or you can wear something and just make a little change. I think when I was talking about, like, if you have a, a corduroy suit or cords are good, like that's a good fabric. And I recommend like finding cords that you like and maybe a corduroy sport coat that you like. And then you just, it's not something you have to be delicate with, or depending on where you live, like a Harris tweed coat, like these are things that are, are great and you can get cheap ones on eBay and, and really kind of live in it for a while and, and get a dirty throat in the laundry. I've, I do all sorts of stuff. I've put seersucker coats that seemed too kind of precious. I just threw it in the laundry and then they were twice as wrinkly. And then I was felt better about it, oddly. So you mentioned the getting inspiration, like going into men's stores. Like for me, early on, like, you know, late 20s, early 30s, I would go to blogs. I would go to Continuous Lane. I take Ivy, dye workwear, dye. I mean, I, and that's where I would get my style inspiration. I feel like that is, has it all moved to Instagram now? Where is your guys? Like, where do you recommend guys going to get solid inspiration? Because I even, I feel like a lot of the, the magazines, they're not like the style advice or it's just, it's not very good. I don't, that's my, it's just like, here are the 20 boots you need this winter. And it's like, this is not useful for me yeah, because I, it's I think too it's much. kind of all over. There's, there are still sites like dye workwear that are interesting. There are still sites out there that have a much more edited point of view, which I think is more helpful if you identify with that. Um, and then it's like a mix of, of Instagram and all these other things that, will help serve as an inspiration point. I think it's the mainstream fashion media is a little bit different now than it was. And it's driven by different things. And part of that's like commerce and part of it's much more fashion with a capital F than maybe it used to be. It used to be much more about like service and educating guys and sort of classic style. And now it's much more fashion driven. So I think, but you need to find the people that you can identify with. And if that's like Matt Hrannick and William Brown project or, or whatever it is. And, and then you sort of figure out, all right, these are the people that I feel like I want to model my personal style after you can sort of go from there. I think that's a really good point that Michael makes. And I also think the danger of Instagram, like I really loved the original photos. When I say original, like 15 or 20 years ago, photos from Pitti Womo, where it was actual Italian men and what they were wearing or yeah. Japanese buyers and what they were wearing. Now with social media kind of accelerated to such a speed, those things feel often very mannered, very theatrical very self-aware and very ridiculous to me. So I think you have to be careful. Like you don't want to dress like you were expecting to be photographed. Like that's, that's craziness. You know, that that's not a way to live in the world unless you're really, you know, Nick Wooster and there's only one Nick Wooster. So you can look at these places, but you, it's sort of like you look at them and then you pour a little milk on it to like mellow out the coffee. Right. Because it's just too, some of these things are very intense and these guys are, are getting closed and experiencing them in a way that isn't really, you know, it's like they're living in a photo shoot. And if you're in a photo shoot, some things make sense. And then when you're out in the world, they make a lot less sense, you know? And I think you want to, I think one of the things we're talking about is like, where you, where you're comfortable and what your life requires. Like, are you going to meetings? Are you, 
you know, physically active the way your dad was, Brett, if he's, you know, going out as a working in the forest service or whatever it is that people need to use, or are they going to be walking in mud? Are they going to be in a boardroom? Are they going to be reassuring investors? And then they're going to be doing things very differently. And that's, um, I mean, if people say things don't matter, the clothes don't matter, just think about the people that you want working for you and how you would want your lawyer or accountant to dress. If you're getting your, your, uh, <laughs> your, your taxes done, do you want the guy to be wearing a Metallica shirt? I'm not sure. I, I think it's like the if you have good personal style, it's a bonus for you. If you know, I think it's not it's not about losing points or you know, it's it's about you have an opportunity to present yourself as unique or special or different or whatever that is. That to me is like the big win with having good personal style. It's not about like conformity and fitting in and making sure you're dressed appropriately for your role. Uh, when you guys find a piece of clothing that you think is going to be a part of your uniform for a while, do you buy multiples of it? <laughs> of course. Okay. I mean, that's like a huge deal. Like when it, or if something seems like it's going to be shut down, or I mean, or if you just know something's great, like when they were still making Brooks Brothers Oxford cloth button-down shirts in in America, and you you knew that, and maybe there that was a, a delicate balance there. I got a stack of them. I mean, it has to do with where you are in your life and and what your priorities are and your budget. But if you find a bottle of wine you like, man, get some. And if you find, if you're traveling and you see espadrilles or if you even master's hats, it's yeah, get on that. I, I like the wine reference. That's pretty interesting. I mean, you'll be happy if you buy a few cases of some wine that you love, you'll be happy in five years that you did it. For me, like buying a couple or buying things in my uniform all depends on with the brand and what it is and what it costs. But I know that, you know, like brands like Patagonia, if you love something from Patagonia, they phase out things all the time. So if you, if there's a jacket you love and you wear it all the time, it's worth buying a few because they probably won't carry it through. The other time I'm buying like multiples is, you know, I wear these canvas sneakers from Muji and their website, they rarely have them in stock. And the stores are, it's always like sporadic if I can find them. So when I do find them, I buy five pairs at the same time and they're not expensive, but I'm like, I don't want to risk, you know, I don't trust them enough almost to be able to always have them, you know? So, and like, I, I used to buy this sweater every year from this store in Alabama that I love called Harrison limited. And they would sell this like super, super soft lambswool Shetland sweater. And I would buy every fall, I would buy one. It was like my annual thing. And I would sort of call the shop and be like, what colors do you have? And then I'd say, all right, send me the green one. And they'd mail it to me. And then they stopped carrying the sweater. And I'm like, all right, now I need to figure out like who made the sweater? Where else can I find it? And, you know, I would have been better off just buying a few at, you know, not just dragging it out. Yeah, I had a pair. There's a pair of uh, runners or sneakers that I got. They're like a replica of some vintage French army sneaker. And I love it. And they stopped making like, Whoever decided to make it stopped making it. And I can't, I need a new pair and I'm out yeah. of luck. It's, and it was no, a good I look. Mean, it's, that's like a classic situation where you, you think something like for me, even like fishing gear, like certain waders that when I was younger, they seem like too expensive. And then ever since then, the waders have been getting crazy. So now I'm like on a mad hunt to find these 20 year old waders, which of course doesn't work or wait, fish wading boots. And, and if you see something you like, well, I mean, it's actually interesting because Michael was talking earlier about these companies that continue to have the same product. That's like a good 
barometer of the values of a place. If they do something well and they, you know that they're going to continue to have that, it's the same way if you go to some beloved restaurant and you know you can get this great dish, that they're going to keep doing that and that, that, that that's a sign of, of what they, how they want you to interact with them, that you, they want you to trust them, that they want you to come back and that you can always get this barber jacket, these red wing boots, these 501s. That, that tells you a lot about those places. How do you know if your personal uniform should change? Is it something intentional or does it just kind of happen naturally? You just find I'm wearing this thing a lot this year. This is part of my uniform now. Is that how it happens? Yeah, I think it's part, I think part of that is like recognizing the wins when they're happening and saying, you know, I feel good wearing this. You know, I should just, I should stop thinking about, I should stop spending time thinking about, you know, what I'm going to wear all the time and stick with the things I feel good about. I think you just start to sort of be, it's a very liberating sense in a way where you're like, I've arrived at this and I know I like it. I don't have to worry about, it's one less thing I need to worry about from now on. Right. And you start start to just drop things away and then, you know, repeat the things that work really well for you. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I notice that my clothes have shrunk. No, I know it's just like your body changes, right? It's not the clothes, obviously. And you you make some change about what makes sense for what you're doing. I mean, if you have a kid or you're traveling to a and you're in a hot place and something works or something doesn't. I mean, some of what we're talking about is like where design and function converge. Right. And when something w- makes sense because it, I don't know, you're carrying a camera in your pocket. So you need bigger, bigger pockets. I mean, that's literally how some of these things happen. A lot of the clothes we're talking about have existed for a long time. And that's why, you know, a, a safari jacket or a chore jacket or something that the army developed was to solve certain problems. And you might have those problems. You're carrying certain things and you need clothes that meet your purposes and maybe your, you know, your coloration changes. Like my beard is gray now. That's great. And that changes things like what colors I should wear. I don't look the same as I used to. And those, and you want to, and that, and that's all right. You want to evolve that way. And I think it's natural that your clothes change as you get, you know, get older and your, your kind of place in the world changes. And, and that's something to be embraced, I think. So let's say some guys listening to this and think, okay, I want to start developing my personal, you know, refine it. Parting advice, like where's one thing they can start doing today to start making that happen for themselves? <laughs> well, I think you got to think about what you, like your comfort level and what you're trying to do. I mean, I always encourage guys to dress up a little bit. I just think it's it's nice to try harder than to try less hard. And if you try a little harder, then in the long run, it, all that will become easier. You set a higher bar for yourself. And so I think it's nice to dress up a little bit. I mean, I... I think it's, you know, it doesn't mean you have to live with it forever. I think one of the things we're talking about is, is a little bit of experimentation, which is natural, and then finding a new level for yourself. You know, I think a big part of this is, you know, what, what you could do today is be open-minded to looking better and to putting in a little bit more effort and, and dressing a little bit better and starting to do it and make it a ritual. And, and I think once you do, you'll appreciate that you have put in that effort and I think that goes a long way in just being maybe a little bit more introspective about who you want to be and how you want to project yourself, I think would be a great place to start. Well, guys, this has been a great conversation. Is there some place people can go to learn more about your respective work? 
Well, yeah. I mean, my my book, The Optimist, uh, The Case for the Fly Fishing Life, which we discussed on yeah, a previous episode. I've gotten that's, a lot of good feedback about that. Oh, people, oh yeah, that's people sweet. Have, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's out now, still out, and the paperback is coming soon. And then my newsletter, The Contender, comes out every week. And then I have the podcast with Michael, Central Division, our conversation every week too, which you can get from either subscribing to The Contender or his newsletter, A Continuous Lean. Michael, I'll lead you right into it. Yeah. Oh, thank you, David. That was very, very well done. I wish I had a book to say that I had written, but uh, all I have is a newsletter and it's just acl.news is my newsletter. Well, Michael Williams, David Coggins, thanks for his time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Brett. My guests today were David Coggins and Michael Williams. Check out their respective newsletters. David's can be found at thecontender.substack.com and Michael's can be found at acl.news. If you subscribe to either of the newsletters, you can get access to their podcast, Central Division, where they talk about style, fly fishing, golf, you name it, they discuss it. And make sure to check out our show notes at awim.is slash personal uniform, where we've linked to some of the brands and clothing pieces mentioned in the show, as well as that iconic picture of David and Michael at the Masters we discussed. Check it out, awim.is slash personal uniform. Well, that wraps up another edition of the A1 Podcast. Make sure to check out our website at artofmanless.com where you find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles written over the years about pretty much anything you think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the A1 Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLESS at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the A1 Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think you get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, it's Brett McKay. Remind you all to listen to the A1 Podcast, but put what you've heard into action. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.